I'd like to thank our new sponsor, Launchpad Kickoff Tee, for joining us here on the Armchair Coaching Podcast family. Coaches, are you looking for that competitive edge, but you might not be paying attention to the kickoff game? Well, this is the company for you. I'd like you to go check them out. I have one sitting right here in my hand. It's incredibly unique. It's got a very large surface area and incredibly flexible wings. And so what this does for you here, it gives you extreme flexibility with how you want to kick off. Do you want to use the patented forward lean? Well, if you don't know what that is, go ahead and check out their website. You can do just about anything you want. You can dial up different types of squib kicks just with the different angles. You can literally do just about anything with this. And the nice thing is they send you this piece of paper here that goes with diagrams that show you all the different angles and techniques that they've discovered so far. And they are incredibly helpful on their website. I highly recommend you check them out. If you're interested, do me a favor. I want you to go to launchpadkickofft.com slash ACP. Make sure you add the slash ACP. And if you're interested in buying one, if you go to this specific website, you can find the link, the, the link in the description below, you actually get a discount. You're going to get a 10% discount just from using the, the Armchair Coaching Podcast link. If you want to buy one, if you want to buy two, that's a savings of 25%. And if you buy three, you're actually going to get one for free. All right. So those are some huge deals that you're going to get there. So do us a huge favor, check out our sponsor at Launchpad Kickoff Tea. Make sure that you go to this specific site, launchpadkickofftea.com slash ACP. Launchpadkickofftea.com slash ACP. On the kickoff, it's not like all the other kickoff teas that you have. It's incredibly unique. Welcome to the Armchair Coaching Podcast. I am your host, Coach Sheffer, and we have another great guest today tonight. We have Coach Terry Harrison, who is the head coach for the Bethel College Freshers, which is an NAIA school out of North Newton, Kansas. Coach, thank you for coming on tonight. No, I appreciate you having me on, man. It's um, anytime we can uh, take time to talk to coaches and share our story and who we are, man, I'm uh, glad to do it. Awesome. Um, Hey, you and I both have uh, young kids and we both have to help our wives put them to bed. Uh, So... I understand. I hear. I hear your kid in the background. Um, <laughs> I know. I know that feeling exactly, Coach. So. Well, for what it's worth, his name is uh, his name is Trip, which is short for triple options. So, the uh, you know, I love it, Coach. I best love name it. Name of all time. So there you go. Everybody, the world gets introduced to him tonight. So he's back there screaming in the background. All right, Coach. Um, the first question that I ask every coach that comes onto the podcast. I'm very interested in hearing every coach's story. Uh, it seems that everyone has a very unique path to where they are. So could you take a moment to um, take us through your coaching journey? Basically, how did you end up where you are now? Yeah, I, I think uh, I was on the Mesh Point podcast, and I know you had those guys on not too long ago. And um, I summarized basically my childhood as a, as a sad country song. I grew up in, a, in a tra- uh, multiple trailer parks in East Texas in the same trailer um, but everything worked out just fine. So um, that was basically all the way through high school. And then I came to Kansas. I grew up in outside of Luskin, Texas. Um, and then I came to Kansas to play college football at a, at a very small school, NEI school called Sterling College, which is actually in our conference. Um, that was in 2001. 
and I played there until 2004. I met my wife there and, um, you know, I, I majored in health and PE, got my teaching license. Um, and my wife was finishing up playing her senior year. She was, a, she was a basketball player there and I, you know, started teaching and coaching and, and I've been in Kansas ever since I started, um, I was an assistant coach for five years at a 5A high school outside of Wichita at Valley Center, Kansas. You know, I did everything from assistant running back, started as the assistant running backs coach, and then the next year became the offensive line coach, um, and then ended up the defensive coordinator there through five years. And that's how I ended up at Wichita Heights High School, which is a, you know, a, a, a very good program in the state of Kansas. You know, that people in the state of Kansas know what Wichita Heights would mean. Went there to work for a legend, and his name was Rick Wheeler. They had just played in three state championship games. Um, and became his defensive coordinator um, and was finally happy. You know, I was chasing that high. I always wanted to be a head coach, always wanted to be a head coach. And I finally went to work for what I considered to be a, an, an ex, a legend and was my, kind of my mentor that I wanted to be like. And um, after my first fall there, he decided he was going to retire. Um, and he named me the head football coach after working with him for only four months. He stayed on as the athletic director and I was the head coach there for five or six years, I think five. And um, that's when and I ended up coming to Bethel College after being the head coach there for five years. Um, so five years as a head, and I was the D coordinator that first year. And that's, um, that's honestly how I ended up at Bethel. I know that was a pretty brief general overview, but I'm a very, very lucky in, in the fact that I have not moved all over the country. My wife and I, we've lived in the same town, and, and really we've moved houses only because we want to move and our family's been growing, but I've lived in the same town my entire coaching career. And so, and that, and that, that took me from assistant coach to a head coach to now a college head coach and I've never had to move. So I know a lot of guys will cringe at that and, and I'm very lucky and fortunate and I'm thankful for that. So I realized that that is unique in its own right. Um, not only the fact going from high school to college is unique too. And so, you know, just been very lucky, very fortunate um, and not had to move my family around a ton, but still been able to kind of, you know, chase my dream a little bit and, and coach the game I love. So Awesome, Coach. That's actually a great segue into the next question that I have for you. Most of our listeners on this podcast are high school coaches. Um, could you take a moment to describe what your daily life is like at an NAIA college, comparing that to maybe what a high school coach is like, maybe some differences? Yeah. Um, well, it, it's not what I thought it would be. I'll tell you that. You know, I was – I ran a weight room. So in Kansas, we don't have athletics hours – so, you know, like in, I grew up in Texas and in Texas, you know, I was, I was out at practice at one thirty or two o'clock in athletics year round. And um, in Kansas, that's not how it is. I'm assuming Kansas is like probably like most of your listeners where we have, you're a PE teacher. And so I had weight classes. I had, we were a block schedule. So I had four or five weight classes a day and it had general students, athletes. I didn't have a football class. I mean, it was just, you know, 50 kids in a six, it was a big weight room, 6,000 square feet, but we had about 50 to 60 kids a class. And that's what I did all day long. Um, and I'll be honest with you, by the time after doing that for 10 years, and I love to work out still, but I was pretty tired of trying to teach kids how to squat and clean and all that stuff. You know, I was, I was getting worn out on that end of it, you know, and, um, but that was my day as a high school coach. Right. And then coming into college, I thought it would be, uh, I don't, I guess I don't know what I thought it would be. That's kind of why I wanted to do it. Right. I wanted a new challenge to be honest with you. Um, and so really my days now are um, we don't spend as much time on the road as most colleges across the country, really even as many as in our conference. Um, I take my daughters to school every day. Um, I take so my, my preschooler and then my second grader. Um, I take them to school every day, get in the office, and 
I work with my best friends. So it's a college staff of guys that love what we do and we all work together. And so the first year we learned we had to manage our time better because it was the first time in my life I had not been on a bell schedule, right? So like a lot of coaches out there, we were, we loved school from kindergarten through high school, through college or, or whatever, but I was on, I was on a bell schedule my whole life. And then I became a teacher and in college, you don't, in college football, you don't have that. There's no bell schedule. There's nothing that tells you what to do. You can be as productive or um, I guess as lack of lack of productivity as you, as you, as you can imagine, right. With free time. And so now what we do is we take our day. Um, no coaches come into the office until 10 a.m. Or at least aren't mandatory, right? I get there before 10, but we say, hey, 10 a.m. you have to be there. I um, mean, this is during the season. We practice at four. So our, we have a late class at Bethel that goes from three to four. So we don't actually start our practice till four o'clock and we're done about 5.45. But, you know, between then we segment out our day and, you know, we have heavy recruit days, which is communicating with recruits and families and high school coaches and things like that. And then we have heavy, you know, prep days. I um, mean, obviously as the head coach now, I have athletic department meetings and vice president of admissions meetings and all kinds of meetings that um, quite honestly, if I guess if I'd only been in college, I would get tired of those. But because I'm so new to college, it's been intriguing and I've learned so much about, you know, what the role of a, of a head football coach at the small college level is versus what probably most guys think it is. Cause it's, it's not, um, it's just uniquely different, right? That aspect of the job, the, the recruiting and admission side of the job, as opposed to just football. And um, we've been lucky to be, get really good at it really quickly. And um, the college has embraced who we are, but that's, that's kind of my day. I know it sounds crazy. Now in the off season, we, we do 6am workouts still, um, which was, I, I like that in high school. So I treat that a lot like a high school coach. People call them zero hours in Kansas. I don't know what people would call them all over the country, but we bring our guys in at 6 a.m., four days a week. We can do some unique – we can do some individual time with groups of six or less, and we do that all off season. But I'll be honest with you, sometimes in the off season, I feel um, unemployed at times because it's kind of like uh, if we're not working out with the kids – if the kids aren't working out or we're not doing their position group, I'm recruiting, you know, on my phone or, or whatever that looks like. But it's not – it is very different than just being a teacher, I guess. And so – I don't know if that really sums up my day because the days are truly different, you know, but it's, uh, it is vastly different than being a teacher, you know, and being responsible for kids at every minute of the day, you know? So. Uh, the next question I have for you as a coach, could you describe your personal leadership style? Yeah. You know, I peeked at these questions beforehand The the leadership style one was the most bizarre one for me to think about. Um, I guess I've never broken that down about myself. I guess you'd have to ask my players and our, and our assistant coaches, but I can tell you what, what I hope they would say um, without, you know, putting a, I don't know, a, a name on the leadership style would be, I think, it, our, I think this generation of kids and, and I'm only 36 years old, so I'm not that old. Okay. But I'm still technically in this generation. I think, I think what's different about this generation um, is that they, 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 um, the saying is say what you mean, mean what you say. And that's really important to me. And I try to teach our kids that because unfortunately, even in college now, and we get really good players from really good programs. A lot of them have never been told something and it followed through with. And I mean that both, um, to follow through in a positive way and also maybe as an, an accountability deal. And, um, I can tell you this, I stopped screaming a long time ago. So when I was a 29 year head coach, I, um, wore my voice out every day, but now, we're very upfront with kids and we say what we mean, mean what we say. Um, and unfortunately that's kind of a loss in, in today's coach coaches slash kids world. You know, the, it's a world of threats. And if you do this again, if you do that again, 
and there's no real follow through. And I would just tell you, as far as like discipline on our team, which we don't have to deal with a ton, but our kids know that, you know, if we say it, we mean it. And, you know, we'll tell you, we love you and we'll hug you and we'll, and we'll send you home if you don't follow the standard. And it sounds like it's this authoritarian thing. It's not, if you've ever visited our program and we love our kids, we're proud of them. We have, I think as special a kid as anybody on the planet. Um, but that's something I try to teach kids because I had to learn that through football. Um, and I was very lucky to play for a coach that, that that's how he operated, you know, and it wasn't a, um, a threatening environment, which you see a lot, like maybe the last chance you was out there, you know, it, it is not that where it's, you're never going to play if this, and I'm going to pull you if, and that's just not how we operate. And as far as dealing with, I guess, issues on our team, I hope that's what kids would say. And then, you know, beyond that is what I've always learned, what I've tried to do. And I learned this, um, really getting into college even more than anything now is just be very genuine. Man, I'm very honest with our team about my flaws, mistakes I've made in the past. If we, if there's something that comes up and I don't know what to do, I tell the kids, yeah, I don't know what to do. And and I kind of, I work with our kids and it's created this great team culture and our staff. I, I would say it's the same way, you know, just very genuine and upfront as far as a leader um, about any, I mean, from day-to-day operations to big overarching, over, overarching things like, Hey, we, we have a bye week now. Do you want to schedule somebody on a whim, um, which we had to do and our kids, you know, I don't know if, if, I don't know if it's good or not, but let's try it type deal. And, um, I can just tell you being genuine and upfront has been, um, very beneficial for me and valuable. And I think it's created, if there's anything special, just our, our team culture. And, um, I hope our kids would at least say that. I know they would say that, you know, how it is the head coach, everybody's always a little scared of the head coach, which isn't necessarily bad, but I do know, I do know that they, I would hope they would say I'm very genuine and upfront. Yeah. That question is one that my, the, the guy that I currently work for, that was like the first question he asked me in the meeting <laughs> when he was interviewing me a couple of years ago and it threw me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I definitely told him, I was like, look, the one thing I'll tell you is I'm not the coach that you're going to look for on Friday night to give the speech to pump up the kids. That's just not yeah. me. Right. And I'm not the one who's going to be yelling on the sidelines. I'm the coach who has got their, their arm around the kid and, you know, talking to them relationships. I'm texting the kids throughout the week, making sure they're all right. You know, that, that that's kind of like, but you answered it perfectly coach. Well, I wish I would, I'll tell you this, man, I wish I would have done better when I was a younger head coach. Cause I was vastly unprepared for that job when I got it at 29 I wish I told our kids we I loved them more, and I wish I told them I was proud of them more. You know, and um, you know I believe in you know 3D coaching is something in, in FCA is something that we really work hard to incorporate in our program. And you know I'll tell you my first however many years I was five four or five years I was I was definitely what you would call a transactional coach. It was you know um, we were there trying to score points and win, and that's what mattered more than anything. And I can tell you now in the last you know, definitely since I've gotten to Bethel where it's been, you know, as you have kids, you start to realize these things a little, I think it sinks in a little more than when you're 29 years old, but um, man, it's about relationships and, you know, being, being a transformational coach. And, you know, we, we, we call ourselves a biblical football program and people don't even know what that means. And, you know, sometimes I'm not sure I know, you know, what we just say is it means if you put Jesus's name on something, it, it better be excellent. And that, that goes also into relationships, not only, you know, the product on the field. So no, I appreciate that. It was, it's a great question. Cause it's man, that's a, you know, and I think as most coach, most coaches or at least most that I know are humble guys. It's hard to, you don't want to brag on yourself and I certainly wouldn't brag on my, my own self. So it's um, I love it, man. I appreciate you asking me that. Awesome coach. Now let's get to the meat of the conversation. Cause we're going to talk a little bit about triple option. Um, 
you guys run the triple option at Bethel and you seem to be having some good amount of success with it. Uh, I wrote down here, you guys recently scored 83 points in a win against Mid-America Nazarene. Could you kind of tell the story behind um, how and why you brought the option to Bethel? Yeah. Uh, in a nutshell, it's all I know. And it's what I, bone, I guess you would call it. Um, but uh, my lad, my senior year, we rent, we installed midline. And so I was a passing quarterback. And of course I was like everybody, I wanted to play for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but we would run midline and it was, it was money, you know, back in 1999, 2000, 2001. I mean, people just weren't doing that. And, um, you know, so that was kind of my introduction, like, okay, reading somebody. Um, and I think it was just kind of a little, I think it's in your DNA or it's not, you know, and when I was playing Sega Genesis, I was always the 95 Nebraska Cornhuskers with Tommy Frazier. I mean, um, that was what I wanted to do, even though I wasn't running that offense. And so, you know, maybe there's something to that, you know, but when I got to college, uh, we were, we were a spread team and I started my freshman, sophomore, junior year and threw a bunch of interceptions and we were not very good. Um, and we got a new coach my senior year and um, we ran flexbone and we got, I got moved to tight end um, the week before our first game, but that year we were really successful and it was my introduction to being an offensive lineman, to be honest with you. So I went from a spread quarterback my whole life, essentially throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game to being a tight end on 16 play drives, down blocking people and all that good stuff. And so, but we had success and I kind of saw with the same players running the same stuff and that was my introduction to it. And then, you know, when I got into Kansas high school coaching, there's a legend, there's a local legend here, uh, Randy Dryling's his name. He's at St. Thomas Aquinas now in Kansas, but he won a bunch of state championships 20 miles from the college I was at running Flexbone. And it was just what I, what I loved and what I wanted to do. So even as an assistant high school coach, we were not Flexbone, but all these Flexbone websites, that's what I would look on. I think, I can't remember the name of it now. Flexbone High School Chat maybe was that one. But I was on that sucker every day, just reading it all the time and all the blogs and all the articles. And I knew that's what, when I became a head coach, that's what I wanted to do. So I was studying this stuff well before I ever called a play in the game. And then when I went to Wichita Heights, who I mentioned earlier, Rick Wheeler had been running Flexbone and being very successful. And, you know, the rest has been history. And I became head coach and, and kind of did it his way. And then, you know, recently um, I've become really good friends with Kenny Wheaton, who's at Harding. Um, Kevin Chisholm, their offensive line coach. Bryce Bray was the hard, uh, Remington Award winner, was one of their centers, is a really close friend. Um, Jeremy Reed at UConn are guys that, you know, I talk to daily, weekly, whatever you want to, depending on the week. And um, and that's been um, – that's kind of what made me fall in love with it. But uh, why I brought it to Bethel was that's what we did at, at Heights, and we were winning all the time. And so I actually um, – I go to church with the athletic director at Bethel, and my – my role, I was going to help him find the right head coach, you know, and then I ended up coming there, which I think you have a question about that later, but, you know, regardless, it's what I know. Um, and I believe in it. And so that's kind of what brought the option to Bethel. And I was able to hire now one of my best friends in the world, Eric Kelly, who played at Harding, which was, who was recommended me by Kenny Wheaton. That's what got us into what we're doing now. So it, it you know how it is. Two people are on the flex bone is not the same. Everybody's got their own flavor. Um, but what we're doing right now, I mean, I, I say this with as least the smallest ego as possible. I promise you, I'm not the brightest coach in the country, but I, I think we're the best at what we do in the country. Um, and I think it's kind of shown over some things. I think we're right now, we're the number one scoring team, scoring, not just rushing, but the number one scoring team in the country at our level. Um, obviously, number one rushing team, all that stuff. But, you know, we're throwing touchdown passes now. And I, I think we truly, 
um, have embraced stretching the field vertically and horizontally. So that's kind of our style of flex bone. If anybody watches this play, I think um, that's what people would say. It's not three yards in a cloud of dust by any means. Um, and so that's kind of what brought it to us. And, you know, at the small college level, I think there is a benefit in recruiting to what we do. Um, but at the same time, we also recruit dudes and we have dudes. And I think the flex bone allows you to get those guys the ball in space. And, um, you know, it, it's just been really fun to evolve as a coach and now mix what I believe as the offensive line coach with what Coach Kelly's learned at Harding. And I think we're, um, you know, I think we're a tough matchup for people. So what are some of your favorite concepts and plays out of the Flexbone offense? You know, yeah, I like a lot of people, we run the big five. You know, the veer is, is, is obviously something where everybody starts. Uh, Mid-double, mid, mid mid-triple has been something that I think we're really good at, you know, that as some other people are not. You know, if you watch the big boys, um, armies and navies, um, you know, Paul Johnson did not run mid-triple. A lot of people don't know that. But, um, you know, armies – Army starting to run mid triple. I see Navy doing it a little bit more now, um, but you get a way heavier dose of that with us um, because we just love it. But you know, rocket toss. You know, the, the big five that everybody's running zone dive. I've, I've learned to love zone dive. I did not run zone dive as a high school coach, so a lot of people find that hard to believe. We just ran belly iso. You know, insert the insert the slot and you know block uh, block the defensive end with a tackle and insert that slot. That's what we did in high school. So. Uh, man, we've gotten really good at zone dive, especially this year. It's been really good to us. Um, but I think what makes us different is our uh, play-action pass. Uh, that's one of my favorite plays and concepts. Now, we've had games where we don't throw the ball but three or four times, but we we think what we're doing right now um, in the play-action pass game is very unique, and I think it causes a lot of problems for people. So I would think if what everyone's doing, that's what makes us different is what we're doing in the play-action pass game. Um, you know, some, you know, everybody's running post wheels, but man, we've got some ways we're attacking defenses right now that I, I think is really unique. And I think something that sets us apart from, you know, Eastern New Mexico, for instance, they do a great job passing the ball. Kelly Lee, I've listened to him speaking clinics, but I think what we're doing, we have borrowed some of his concepts that I learned him from him speaking at clinics, but now we've added our own flavor. And I think we're doing some stuff that's, uh, you know, pretty unique and special. And that's kind of been the, you know, if you just watch, a flexbone team, you're not getting ready for Bethel because we, we kind of cause some challenges that, that other people aren't doing yet. You mentioned having your own flavor, which kind, kind of leads into this next question here. Uh, what are some different ways that you will adapt your offense to players with different skill sets? For example, maybe one year you have a real, a true running threat at quarterback, and then maybe the next year you have more of a passing quarterback. How are some different ways that you will um, alter your offense? Yeah, it's a a great question. It's why, honestly, I think this offense is special, you know, and I think it's why more people, mm, I don't know if they they should do it necessarily, but could definitely consider doing it. Um, We – some ways we adapt. So for instance, right now we, our senior quarterback, we inherited. So he's, he's a senior. He was a freshman the year before I got to Bethel, but he played in a spread system and played in a state championship game um, in Kansas. And so he's, he, he was throwing the ball for 2000 and 3000 yards. And so that, that's helped us, you know, in the passing game, certainly to do some things we do. Um, but, you know, right now we have a, our, our, our entire our receiving stat our receiving cores are all very talented receivers they would be they would play for anyone in our conference you know and I think that surprises people that we have that um, our two starters that I'll mention 
Um, one's he played Juco football in Kansas. He's 6'3", 230, can run. I mean, that's the one people notice. And we really, you know, we do some stuff with him. But then our other receiver was a, you know, he was a small school stud in a Tony Franklin system. And he's the fastest kid on the field and maybe the smallest as well. But um, we've adapted. That's why we've kind of adapted what we've done. And the two slots we we're playing right now, we're actually receivers for the previous staff, X X and Z, and we moved them to slot. So that's kind of tells you a little bit with our passing game, what we've adapted stuff to. Um, but at the high school level, you know, our, but having said that, that's our one, right? We practice the same as we would with our two. Now our two um, today is a kid from Tennessee who loves Flexbone. He was one of my first recruits that I got because I honestly didn't know if our starter, the, the current starter we have, who knew, I didn't know if he was going to embrace it. I didn't know if he was going to be great at it. So we recruited a true Flexbone kid who, who eats it and breathes it. Um, but the, the really only difference is play calling, right? We're going to major more in mid doubles um, if we have our two in um, zone option heavy. Um, and then with our one, you know, we were a little more play action pass stuff and, and do some other things. And so it, I think it's less about what we do as far as how we operate as practice and on a daily basis, but more about, okay, let's play to our strengths on a Saturday, you know, but I'll tell you at the high school level, it was much more, um, you know, one year going from, we had, we, I had years where we had an electric quarterback that was one of the most – still one of the most athletically gifted kids I've ever seen. Well, it was a lot of mid-double, veer-double, zone option with him, you know, and doing some stuff to boot him to get him out in space. And then, you know, in the other years we had a more traditional quarterback and we would do some other things and try to get him to, you know, dish the ball out. So, you know, that I think that if we talk about adapting, that's what we do. I think one of the things that at the high school level that I also did when we didn't have receivers – we, we, I played a whole season with a tight end. I played a whole season with a tight end on the right once. So we were always had a tight end on the right. And if we we're on the left hash, we were in right over. If we we're on the right hash, we were just in right. And it never changed, you know, and so there was no real tendency because we only had that tight end on the right all the time because we, I just didn't feel like we had a – he was a better tight end than our next man was a receiver. And so those are some things we've done. I think your offensive line can determine some of that stuff. So – you know, we had a really small alignment in Heights High School, but we had an electric running back. So, you know, when people people would always say it's not our offense, it's our players. Well, that's certainly true when I was at Heights. We had, I mean, just unbelievable talented running backs. and But we did have small offensive linemen. And so, man, a rocket toss was really good to us at the high school level, and it's just not as good in college. And I think that's because of personnel. So, and those are some ways we've adapted it a little bit, you know, and um, I think that's been really good. And, and then obviously – it's so unique and, you know, there's nobody wins in comparison in this offense. And I think that we almost like do that to ourselves a little bit, like comparing ourselves to Navy, comparing ourselves to Harding or, you know, these high school coaches comparing. We see different defenses than other people. Like Navy doesn't see the defenses we see and Harding doesn't. We, we all see our own unique things. And so, you know, a lot of it comes down to how people are playing. you, know, And that, that's going to more than us, what defense we see is going to help is going to make me adapt my offense as opposed to who we have. So. Well, you you bring up the defenses. I know this isn't a question on the on the list, but um, what are some of the defenses that you see the most of? Well, the the first so the first two years, so in two, the fall of two thousand eighteen and nineteen, ninety percent of the time we played against this. Uh, we call it Lincoln Stack. Have you seen that? Uh, some people call it Lincoln Stack five one five. Okay. Um, but I mean, basically, it's a three four, and the two backers stack on top of each other. 
And it's what a lot, it's what Clemson did to Georgia Tech at one time. And you, you see people still do it. Houston's done that to Navy. Everyone's done, did that to us. And so for two straight years, that's literally the only defense we saw. And that was because our first game ever in college, the team we played ran that against us. And we practiced for every defense all the time, but we had not been, we were not ready for that yet in my first fall. Well, they, they beat us and we were, we were just, we were so not ready to play. It wasn't even funny. Like that was not the reason we lost, but that was one of the things that people, okay, that's must've been what it is. So everybody did that. Well, now we averaged 54 points against it, but people still run it against us because I think they see it on TV and in the summer they decide, Hey, we're going to run this defense to that. And they just don't change. And so we're not seeing that this year. No one's done it yet. Um, But you know, this Saturday will be a new Saturday, but you know, right now, this year has been the year of the 4-3. And so, you know, there you go, right? It's just you can't ever – you know, you hear this, but at the high school level, I used to say it, um, that you never know what you're going to get. But I don't know if I really – now looking back, I was pretty sure what we were going to get when I was in high school. I had a good idea. But now, dude, we really have no idea. So we have to prepare for everything. So, you know, that's uh, – I know it sounds crazy, but that's what we do. We prepare for every defense every week and every day and – we will see. Um, this year's been the year of the 4-3, so, you know, maybe we'll see it again this Saturday. If not, it'll be that Lincoln stack that everyone else is doing. That has to be so hard on your uh, scout team defensive coordinator. <laughs> well, um, yeah, you know, it's, we, we kind of make bets about who's, um, you know, we, we make bets on who, who we guess what defense we're going to see. And um, I've heard other coaches like like Coach Chisholm at Harding talk about that. Um, we're always wrong and we never really know and we're never right. But, but yeah, no, that, that's the challenge, right. That we all face is how do you, how do you prepare your guys to play when you really don't know what you're going to get? And um, that's what we've been working really hard at doing over the last couple of years. And right now I think it's, um, you know, with some of the things we've been doing, we're, we're, it, it kind of shows that we've done, you know, either been guessing right every week, you know, guessing right a lot on what defense we're going to see. And then, um, you know, then also giving our guys an opportunity to have some rules that help them out when we get different fronts. All right, good stuff, Coach. Now, being as a high school coach myself, there are times where I have to sell what we do to our players and also to parents as well, which sometimes they're worse than the players are. Uh, So how do you sell the offense to your players, the parents, and the community? Uh, Maybe – how, how, how did you do it as a high school coach? And then how do you do it as a college coach today? Yeah. So this question, man, I could talk about for a day, much less, you know, summing this all up in like five minutes. So keep that in mind, but let me first say what you should not do. Okay. This is the, the most common mistake that flex bone guys like me and you make is the first thing they say is we're going to run this offense because it works great for slower, weaker, smaller players. Well, what did you just tell the parents? Your son is not a very good football player. I think that's the biggest mistake that flexbone coaches make. And I also don't believe that to be true. All right. Uh, certainly the academies run it. Um, but look, man, there's, there is no offense in the world for it to beat a team that's bigger, faster, and stronger than you. Like that's the only defense that stopped us since I've been to Bethel. The team that's beat us, we've only lost a couple games, is the bigger, faster, stronger team. And it's just really hard to beat those guys. But a lot of times what high school coaches do, that that's their sell. 
hey, man, uh, you should hire me to run Flexbone because I have this offense, and it's made just for your players. They're really small, slow, weak. You know, like you're kind of insulting the kids a little bit, right? Um, so that that's just like a pet peeve of mine. Like it's like the worst thing to say about your offense. You know, while I understand there is some merit, I do understand what the argument is, right? Because you're reading people and you don't have to block everybody. And that all of that is true. But I think it would just be, I didn't want to not say that out loud to everybody out there. Like, stop saying that, <laughs> you know, um, because it's almost like you're insulting your clientele from the get-go, you know, so don't do that. Um, but but I, I think the biggest thing to do is also don't focus on your offense. This is what I wish I would have done. I had a huge chip on my shoulder when I first started doing this because, like, I know Flexbone's great. I love it. It's the best offense in the world. And if you don't, you know, well, you know, whatever, I didn't like you or whatever you don't like, you're against me. Right. And I think coaches, if you'll focus more on your relationships with the kids and your relationships with the parents and your relationship with your community, whatever that looks like that the rest will take care of itself. Um, because in the end, I think parents want someone who's going to treat their kid fairly. Right. I think parents that want, that are going to treat their kids right and not, in my opinion, dog custom like last chance you. I don't think people, parents want that for their kids, right? They want someone they can trust their son with. This is going to be a role model, okay? And if you'll focus on that, some of this takes care of itself, all right? Um, but then beyond that, this is probably not the most common answer. I have nothing to sell. Um, we're, we're going to score a lot of points. I think in my career, we average over 40 points. I haven't really tracked it. I just know based on my head we're averaging 46 points a game right now. And we always did that at the high school level. If you're, if you produce results that are hard to argue with anyone complaining about it looks like a moron for lack of better words, because <laughs> like, Hey man, they're scoring 50 points a game because you're never going to make everybody happy anyway. Right. Half the people are going to love it. Half the people are going to hate it. So focus on results. That's kind of what I do. And so I think what can happen is, um, if, if you're not prepared and you don't have a plan for all, like, like what we just talked about, right? Instead of worrying about selling the offense, focus on relationships, all that good stuff, and then produce results. And I know that's, that's easy for me to say because I do understand there are different schools that have mismatches and maybe you are outmanned at times. Um, but man, if, if you can focus on results and have your kids ready to play, I think what, what, what sold our players on it at Heights when I was a high school coach was number one, we were scoring. We had a ton of good running backs and we played three at a time, right? Plus a quarterback. So we were playing four running backs at, at a time. And the other schools that were good that we played against only had one running back. And, and the cell was like, look, we're going to play four of you guys. If you played there, you wouldn't, you two, three, and four wouldn't get to play, you know? And, um, you know, I think that's something you can, you can do, but, you know, making sure you are spreading the ball around, stuff like that. But I think the biggest mistake people make is that, right? Is, undermining the offense initially it is an explosive offense when if you will block things correctly and if your kids understand their rules there is literally nothing you can do right the onus is on the coach to prepare your quarterback for every possible situation so your slots know all their rules that fit every scheme and that has to jive with your offensive line and so i think what happens is of those three things when one or two are missing you know the offense falls apart you can't, it, it, it all depends on one another. And what happens is maybe we're not doing our job as coaches and we're not prepared to play and we look bad on a Friday 
and we feel personally attacked because someone doesn't like the offense. And this is not the most popular coach answer, but sometimes the parents are right. <laughs> you know, sometimes the parents are right. You know, that play don't work. Same play, same play. It's like, well, sometimes that might be true, you know, and I learned that from my mentor. Um, I was one of my first year as a head coach. I was, we always talked after every game. And I'm like, man, you know, this or that. And, uh, you know, and I had rabbit ears at that time. I could hear everything the parents were saying. And I was like, can you believe they said that? And, you know, one of the things he said to me was, well, is he right? And the parent was right. So it's kind of like, you know, maybe sometimes the, sometimes it's amazing, like the most, uh, the, even the harshest critique that doesn't sit well with you, sometimes there can be some nuggets in there and some wisdom, right? And so that's how I've learned to do it is I, you know, no parent, it's four years of temporary insanity. You know, they, they don't see flaws in their kids for sure. They don't see if they're slower. They don't see if they're smaller. They, it's their kid and it's the person they love most on the planet that's playing for you. Right. So you have to understand that anytime they say something, most of the time it's not even personal. They just want their kid to play or they want you, you know, they want their kid to be successful and they don't see that happen. And so if you can kind of take the, if you can detach yourself from that situation and take the, the big broad look at that and know that's where parents are coming from, it makes it easier, I think, to deal with unhappy parents. I was very fortunate at Heights in five years. I think I had one parent meeting and it was in my first week. And it was because I replaced the returning starting quarterback with the kid that I thought should be the quarterback. All right. And it turns out it was probably the wrong move, by the way, looking back on it, it should have been the other kid, but you know, that parent wanted to come and, and uh, you know, have a meeting with me and let him know that, let me know that he thought I was kind of, you know, doing wrong by his kid. And, you know, I just respectfully disagreed and he, and he just wanted his kid to know that he cared about him and, was standing up for him. So that, that's that at the high school level. Again, not the most popular coach answer. I ain't selling nothing. We're our, hopefully our, 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 um, our, our results speak for themselves, but then also man, focus on relationships of what I would do. Because if you, if a kid's going home and talks about how much they love coach Harrison or they love coach Sheffer, if they're doing that in the end, if you run the ball 10 more times and you throw it or 20 or 30, yeah, it's kind of insignificant at the college level. It's a little different because we're recruiting to this offense, right? So it's not like you live in a high school area where the kid comes to school there because it's where they live and what you do is what they got to deal with. We recruit to it. So we don't have issues with, um, you know, kids not liking the offense. Cause it's like, Hey, remember the recruiting process when you watched a game, you know, and we told you this is what you're going to play. We, we've been very lucky. We haven't had that, but what I'll tell you is our kids, they do love it here, which has been really cool for me. Um, our, our entire community here. So you kind of asked about community as well, right? Um, from the top down, the president, AD, kid, parents, everyone loves what we, do, what we do. So Bethel has played football for 100 years, has, has been historically horrible. It's the reason I got the job is because no one else probably wanted it, I guess. I don't know. Or no one else thinks you can win there. Um, and so the fact now that, you know, we're ranked nationally and we're, you know, people are talking about us and we're having good years, you know, they're ate up with flex bone. It's, it's truly the idea. We're a small college and it is, you can feel like it's part of our identity. The people love it here. Um, you know, if I tried to change the offense, people, there'd be a revolt, man. They'd be throwing stuff at me. So it's a little bit different, right? They, they truly love it. And it's who we are as a, as a college now. And, and as a, as a football program, it's given us an identity. 
Um, and so that's how we do it. I, but, but having said that, you know, look, our receivers want to catch touchdown passes. Like, don't get my receivers are no different than your receivers. Even these kids that we recruit and we say, look, man, we throw touchdown passes, not first down passes. Well, if you say that you better throw some touchdown passes and we do that. And so we have a, you know, I would say our receivers are as talented as anybody in the conference. And so those guys know though, that, they, that we're going to throw them the ball, you know, first of all, but then secondly, they're winners. And so that's what we look for in recruiting at any position. Is this kid a winner? And I will tell you the most talented receivers we have, all of them. And, and I love our receivers. We, we only carry eight. We don't over recruit receiver. We don't have a billion of them, but we have eight on our team and every one of them want to win first. Um, and they don't come to the sideline. We don't deal with, hey, throw me the ball. Hey, we can do this. It's literally, hey, what does it take to win? And I'll talk to them about – I've had receivers on our team like, hey, bro, keep running the ball. These guys can't stop us. And so I think that's a team culture thing and where I kind of talk to you about focus on relationships first. That's kind of what we do. And, and we work so hard to teach our kids the offense. They understand the things a defense does that, that they can't defend us. And our kids all know – you come out, we see a certain defense. Number one, they kind of know how we're going to attack it, and they know how to come back and communicate, look, this is what we need to do. Because, you know, there is no instant replay in college. I had to learn that the hard way, by the way. No huddle sideline. Um, so you do have to communicate with your kids. And so, you know, I, I think winning sold itself. Um, you know, the cool part now is we have high school coaches at all of our practices, like in the spring especially, right? And so, you know, as a college kid, it does feel cool when there's – 10 new high school coaches every day coming to watch you practice because they want to learn what you're doing. And, um, you know, I think that's, I think that helps, right. Cause kids see that stuff. And so, you know, that's been cool, but more than anything, our kids want to win somewhere that no one thinks you can. And so I, you know, so it doesn't answer, there's probably guys out there that maybe have had been in a different situation than me because we were, we, we were very successful. And I'm not trying to, we had very good running backs at the high school level, even, and we've always won. Um, so, I just haven't had to have deal with as much backlash as you hear other people have, you know? And so that's, um, so for, for everybody out there can take that was, you know, for, with a grain of salt as far as my advice, but there, that's kind of the best way I can answer that. Hey man, I almost, I almost want to move out to Kansas right now. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, the pay is not very good, but you're more than welcome at any time. (laughs) So it's always been a dream of mine. And I say dream instead of goal because Goals are things that I actually see as attainable. It's always been a dream of mine to be a college coach one day, and and you have done it. You've gone from mm-hmm. the high school ranks to be a college coach. What are some tips that you might have for a guy like me who's a high school coach um, who would like to eventually make the jump to college? What are some tips that you might have? Man, again, I – you know, I – I'm the worst possible interview for these questions because my, I'm very fortunate and my experience has been unlike any college coach, most likely on the planet. All right. Um, but I will tell you what's every step I've ever taken. All right. So from going to, from when I was an assistant coach at Valley center, the, the school I mentioned, we were not good. We were really bad. Okay. I mean, never above, I don't, we were above 500 one time, I think while I was an assistant coach there. Um, but I was put in charge of girls weightlifting. Okay. So when I was an assistant coach, all I wanted to be was a head football coach. So I get put in charge of girls powerlifting. Well, I decided, you know what, if I'm going to put my name on it, man, let's make that great. And we had a record number of girls attend the state powerlifting meet. Like we walked in, there were like 50 girls and the next biggest team was like seven. All right. 
And the reason why I tell you that is the head, the head football coach that had won seven state titles was a powerlifting coach. And he, we walk in with 50 girls at this powerlifting meeting. He goes, who's doing that? And that's how I met him because of girls powerlifting, which I had invested an insane amount of time in more than anyone in the state of Kansas for two years. And that effort I had put in to girls powerlifting got me a handshake with a football coach who won seven state championships in nine years. And that's how I got the defensive coordinator job at the team who had just played in three state championships. It had nothing to do with football. It had nothing to do with anything I had done, any statistic, any, anything I had done. And so what I'm saying is I focused on what I was in charge of and I did a really good job. Now people do that all the time and they don't get a lucky break like that or a lucky handshake but I was not looking for that. I was just out, you know, whatever people call grinding, man. I was just working hard um, and won a girl's state powerlifting championship and all that good stuff. And anyway, that's how I got to Heights. And then when I, when I was at Heights, I never wanted to leave. It was a great job. They had just played in three state championships. My mentor, who I consider like a dad to me, was the athletic director still. It was a great job. So what I did there was we won a bunch of games, right? We won regional championships. I hired a bunch of really good coaches to come and work with me, had no intentions of leaving. But I go to church with the athletic director at Bethel College. And honestly, there was never a conversation about coming to be the head coach at Bethel. He just knew, you know, and I was proud of Heights. I always wore Heights stuff. We were in the newspapers. I mean, ton of media coverage. He knew we were really good and he knew who I was. We were not good friends. We just knew each other, right? We were acquaintances, right? We saw every day, every Sunday said, hi, how's it going? Um, well, when they, they had an opening, he called me and said, hey, I want you to be the head, head coach at Bethel. And I was like, absolutely not. Uh, there's no way I would ever go to that place, but I'll help you find the right coach. Awesome. And he told me to come up and meet him at Bethel. So I drove, it's 15 minutes north of the high school I used to teach at. So I drove up and I had never been on campus. So I drove up there, hung out in his office and it turned, you know, he starts, he was trying to get me to come be the coach. Don't kid yourself, but that's not why I went up there. Um, so anyway, that kind of happened. And then he's like, look, why don't you just interview for this? And uh, you know, there you go. That, the rest is kind of history, but that's how I got to Bethel. Honestly, not, it was not the plan. Um, it just kind of worked out that way. And I think, Unfortunately, I, I hope people can take comfort in the fact I realize I'm very lucky in that regard, but it took an insane amount of um, courage for my wife to let me leave public education to get into private, you know, basically private coaching, right? Without, it's not a publicly funded university. I mean, this is a private school. Um, she, she was willing to do that and let me do this because what I, the reason why I did it was I didn't want to look back when I was, you know, retired and man, man, I wish I'd have tried this in college. Because the, the initial lure was to run flexbone at the college level. There are just very few guys that do it. And so that's kind of why I went. But to answer, your, to answer your question, number one, it's cool that it's a dream. And I respect that was yours. It just was never mine. So I don't want to – it's going to almost sound like I'm, like, taunting you about that, right? <laughs> it was uh, – I was so lucky to get the opportunity, um, number one. But I did that at some level by focusing on hiring really good assistant coaches when I was at the high school level. And then that girl's powerlifting story, man, that's, that's really powerful stuff because there's guys out there that are frustrated where they're at. Um, they want more responsibility. They want the different job or they want a better job at a more respected place. And I would tell you creating success, even if it's girls powerlifting, maybe it's 
who knows, right? Middle school tennis, I don't know. Um, creating something special with that group will lead to opportunities down the road. Um, and for me, um, that's kind of what's worked out for me. And people tell you that all the time, but look, I'm going to tell you right now, man, I was a dude grew up in trailer parks that people told me that all the time. And I was a skeptic and did not believe them. It has worked out for me in that way too. But I would tell you the other deal is, you know, we all, everybody watches um, the SEC and all these big 12 schools. The majority of college coaching is done at the small college level. All right. And so people hear Bethel college and are like, yeah, you know, that's not better than my job at a high school job. And that may be true. Um, but if you want to coach college football, you're going to wear a lot of hats. And, you know, I think the cool part is when you've coached high school football, my job's not that different, man. I have to do a lot of stuff, man. I, I take the equipment out to the field every day. I get in the gator and I drive it out there and I drag the stuff out. And it's not that different than a high school coaching uh, job in that regard, you know, and uh, we're in charge of a lot of different things. And, you know, I think for me as a high school coach, it's like, yeah, this is what it's about. I think guys who have only coached college sometimes struggle with that. They think the grass is always greener and I have to do this. I have to do that. Whereas I'm like, yeah, you know, it's just what, it's what coaches do, you know? And I, so I think there's a benefit for co high school coaches to coaching college um, because of that, but people need to understand most college coaching is done at the small college level. I mean, you guys, there's probably small colleges around you coach that I've never heard of just like Bethel. You had never heard of that. Right. And so um, it's cool. There's some guys that would only coach at the big in the big 12 or in the sec. Well, the reality is that those aren't jobs that you're going to most likely coaching in college to do. It's going to be something like this. And the other deal I'll tell you, man, if you get the opportunity and, and it works with your family, I've never had stronger relationships with players than I have now. And I think that's because they're older, right? They're from 19 to 22, 23. And it is different. You know, you do talk about, you do, I'm sure you do a great job of wanting to prepare your kids for life and help them to be great husbands and fathers. Well, sometimes a 15 year old don't want to hear that. You know what I mean? But these kids that we're working with, man, they are, they, they've picked majors. They're getting teaching licenses and they're, they're getting their engineering degrees. Like they're literally on the doorstep of the rest of their life more than a high school kid. And I'll tell you, that's what's been the coolest is it's been a different, the relationship that we have now with kids is it's better, deeper. Um, it's more like a friendship than it is a coach player relationship because these guys are, I mean, some of them are 20. I mean, like I said, I coach guys that are 23. I'm 36 years old, man. I mean, there's guys that are now there's always that line of coach player, but they can relate to you more than a high school kid. And so that's been very rewarding for me. Um, and then obviously, man, coaching small college football, these kids love it. You know, at the high school level, sometimes I think you think all these kids live and eat football like we do, like we're coaches, right? Me and you're sitting here talking on zoom on a Sunday night at nine o'clock, bro, you love football more than most people. All right. Just like I do. Well, most coaches think their high school players should love football like that. Well, I hate to break your heart, bro, but half of them were only playing because their parents told them they have to. The other half are only doing it to try to get a girlfriend or not have, you know, but whatever, like a very small portion of kids love football. Well, 100% of my team loves football like you and I do. That's why they're here. And, um, you know, like people say like D3, even D2, man, look, D2 does not give out full scholarships. You, I mean, most people don't understand that. Other than the big boys you see on TV, all of these kids are investing in their own education at some level. And our kids are no different. And I'll tell you, 100% of my players love football. So they're looking for what you and I look for out of football. So you can imagine 
you know, you can imagine what that, what that feels like and looks like on a daily basis and, you know, how, how you can connect with those guys at a way different level. We don't have to beg kids to do anything, you know, and we're working like, like office, like working our six inch steps. Those kids work on six inch steps really, really hard. And they take pride in it from our first O-lineman down to our 20th with the same level of intensity. And I would tell you, so as a dream and coaching college football, that's what it's been for me. And, and just like you, man, it's, it's worth it. Um, it's just kind of a different, a different deal, but they, you know, they still, you know, they're still kids and all that good stuff, but for, for advice for you. So that all that came to, by the way, man, if you want to coach college football, there's colleges out there you can coach at. It's a matter of, it's just not all Auburn and Alabama, you know? And um, what I'll tell you is, I would tell you my relationships with my guys are better than Nick Saban's are. And I don't, I don't say that as a, um, I really believe that because it's a different motivation on my end and a different motivation on their end. That's awesome coach. Yeah. Uh, I went to a D three school and I played D three, so I know exactly what it's like. <laughs> um, and yeah, I do love football and you made and you made a great point about high school kids. I learned that the hard way as a coach my second year coaching, I was the head freshman coach at a, a bigger, a different school than I'm at now. Mm-hmm. And I came in thinking, oh, these kids, they know football. They love football. They're going to come in and want to learn. No, I, I yeah. got that beaten into me. That lesson was beaten into me hard that year, coach. So, well, well, and so there you go. More guys need to coach freshman football, you know, because most, if you learn that in year two, you're ahead of the game. And there's probably guys listening to us right now that maybe have never heard someone say that. But, man, it's, um, you know, it's so true. And kid, the problem is the kids won't tell you that. They're going to be like, yeah, I love football. Like, no, they really don't, you know. And you got to – I think the guys that get out of it or get frustrated are the ones that can't, like, understand that. that like, you know, there's just not 100 kids at your high school that live it and breathe it, you know. And that's that's okay, by the way, you know. But that's why, you know, coaching in college is awesome, whatever level it is. And, man, we have really good – like, you know, you talk about playing D3 ball. You know, it's a shame that people – you know, they, they scoff at D3 football. There are so many great football players out there, man. We, every now and then I hear of a college that I've never heard of in Minnesota or something. They'll send me their film and it's like, look at this dude, look at that dude. I mean, they're just dudes everywhere, you know? And so um, either way, it's, it's a high level of football from, from division two, whatever you consider better D3, NEI, whatever, right? It's, there's a high level of football and there's so many great coaches now. I mean, the reality is coach, the, the coaching market is a little oversaturated. You know, there's a lot of great coaches out there and that really love it. And like you and I do. And so they're every Saturday is really hard, you know, and there's good football being played. There's very few conferences out there that have bad football being played. It is all really good. And so it's, um, you know, definitely worth doing and not telling anybody if they have the opportunity to do it and, you know, recruiting is what you make it. We feel like that's been a, you know, it's his own job, you know, that we've had to learn to do. And um, that's been fun to me because it's new to me. So you being a teacher and a coach, I think it would be, I think, I think for us, we, we do it differently than these guys that only have only coached in college, or at least that's kind of been my, how I kind of interpret things, what I see, because I think we just have a different energy about it because we haven't done it for 15 years. Like we're pretty new to this thing. So that's been interesting. Yeah, and and the very first point you made reminds me of uh, somebody told me a great quote one time is uh, "Be where your feet are," you know. And when I I'm not exactly old, <laughs> um, I've only been in coaching for a relatively fewer number of years than most of the people who are listening to this podcast. Yeah. Um, but I I remember a time where 
And I still feel it once in a while. I remember a time where I was like, man, I could be doing so much more, you know, make me a coordinator. I could do that, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, but I have, I'm not going to take time to go through it because it's going to take forever. But as a teacher, I had an experience like that where I was frustrated with what I was given, but I made the most of it. You know, I took a group of kids who had been told year after year that they're not going to pass a certain SOL or a certain state standard test. And we had the highest average that school has had in a long time in my, just my classes because of the time and effort we all put into it. It wasn't just me. It was what the kids did. So, um, and that led to the job that I'm currently now because they saw those numbers and they're like, well, man, he must be a pretty decent teacher. So we'll go ahead and hire him and, you know, things worked out. So I know exactly what you were talking about, coach. Yeah. We, we tell our kids that man, life and, and jobs and um, everything tend to work have a way of working themselves out. And I, I really believe, and maybe I'm naive. I, I think you get what you deserve in life. I really believe that. And, and it's easy for me to say that being young and, you know, things that worked out well for me, but man, I, I feel like I just see that all the time. And man, if you'll work really hard, I just, I just really think things tend to work themselves out for it, work out. And, and, you know, sometimes what, what's meant for you isn't what you dreamed for yourself. Right. And um, sometimes God's plans are different and some, and they're better, even though you don't realize it in the midst of it. And that's um, not all for me because I just, I've had, you know, legendary, I won't say old, old sounds mean. I've had legendary coaches um, that are retired hall of famers that have told me that. And so, I, if I'm not good at anything is I find people smarter than me with more experience and I take their word for stuff. And that was my experience with coach Rick Wheeler. Who's like, like I said, man, he's like a dad to me, man. Those are lessons that I learned from him. And I just, I've trusted him. And, and that's, that's kind of been the story of my life. And that's what we try to tell our kids. And you'd be good to do the same to yours that man, hard work never goes unnoticed. It always pays off. Even if it doesn't pay off on your time. Um, if you keep at it, it'll pay off. And that's been my experience. And, you know, I'm sure there's guys out there that have been coaching way longer than me that will attest to that. And, um, you know, even guys that have been at it a while, man, your time's coming and you just have to keep uh, putting a good product out there, like you said, and you just never know what it is. That's the, that's the craziest part. It's kind of like a football game. You never know what two or three plays are going to win a football game. You never know when that's going to happen. Well, I think it's the same for your career. You, you never know, you know, and, um, you know, for me, it's, um, you know, uh, you know, for me, it's a little more than just football. You know, I am, I am, we, I am a Christian man and I believe that, that God's had a plan in my life and look at how this Bethel thing worked out, you know, when we recruit. So this is not, I mean, if someone I'm recruiting, here's this, look, Bethel was not my dream school. Uh, I didn't, I didn't grow up dreaming to be the head football coach at Bethel college. I was going to be the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. All right. Um, but what I'll tell you right now is Bethel's not rated as a five-star program. Nick Saban's probably never heard of Bethel college, but we treat our kids in a way we have five-star teammates and our relationships are deeper and stronger than any of those guys you see on TV. And I, and I really believe that, you know, and that's not a sales pitch and that's not me trying to be better than I am, man. We just, we focus on relationships and our kids will literally play in a parking lot. Um, if you asked us to, and I think that's, um, there's something to that. And it's been, it's turned into my dream job, even though it didn't start out that way. So I'll leave it at that. That's awesome. And that kind of leads into our last question. Cause I'm not going to keep you too much longer tonight, coach. Cause I know we, we both have uh, little ones that we need to go 
help out hey, with. Well, hey, you got to teach tomorrow, man. I'm good to go. I can do whatever I want. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, the last question, it's kind of a short one, but it's a, it's one that I ask every coach and everyone is like, Oh man, such a good question. It's like for you, why Bethel college? And then what makes it the right fit for you? Yeah. We, you know, I kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, but you know, Bethel, the first time they called me, I told them absolutely not. I'd help them find the right coach, you know? And I think, um, you know, once I met all the people there, the, when on my interview, when I went there, I had some objections, you know, I had some things that I was very concerned about, um, that, you know, coming to, coming to coach here and be the head coach at Bethel college that, that they needed to address. Um, and it was not demanding things by any means. It was just, you know, at the high, you know, when you start recruiting kids and they're coming to get a degree and, you know, financial aid starts mattering. There were some, some objections I had that I needed some answers to. But when I, what, what happened was on my interview, I met, I ate lunch with a defensive lineman who was going to be a senior. Um, and when that dude basically in tears was talking about their program and essentially he was embarrassed to be at Bethel and he was going to be a senior the next year, which would have been my first year as head coach and, you know, what the program meant to me and how, you know, he had stuck this thing out for so long. But when that kid talked to me, I knew at that lunch I was going to be the head coach at Bethel College um, because I knew if they offered me this, I can change that for that kid. And I was my honestly, I don't know if the heart, if my heart hurt or if I was sad, whatever the word you want to use, man. When I heard that kid talking about his experience, man, it hurt. It was just like it, it was a shame that that kid had to go through that. And I knew that if they if they offered me this job, I was going to come change that for that young man. And, um, you know, that was kind of when I knew I was going to – so as far as why Bethel, this sounds really crazy, but that conversation that I had at lunch with a kid who was about to be a senior and the way he described it was like, man, that, that's not what college football is about. And, you know, like you talked about, you had a college football experience and so did I. And it was like, you know, I just kind of – I knew in my heart that, that, that I was going to come and change that for that young man. And then I had some – you know, I kind of wanted to reinvent myself um, like I talked about, when I was a 29-year-old head coach, I was a jerk. Um, I was a jerk to the kids. I was a jerk to the staff. Now, we were really good, but we were winning championships, and I hated every day, and, you know, and it was never good enough. Winning by 50 wasn't enough. And then it was we won 50 to 7, not 50 to 0. And we were all jerks, by the way, but I was just in charge of the jerks, you know, and it was just kind of like, man, what are we doing? And it wasn't – winning wasn't enough. And so for me – I wanted to go somewhere um, like Bethel where we could kind of transform and become a, a program that's based on Christian principles. Right. And that's kind of why I went to Bethel initially was I could reinvent myself. I could reinvent a program that had been historically bad. Um, when I took the job, people called me and they were asking like, are you serious? Like they thought it was like fake or not real or like it was a lie or a joke that I was going to Bethel from the high school I was at. Um, but that's kind of why I went, you know, was to, to create something uniquely different. And, uh, you know, I, I've gotten to become really good friends with Harding University. And, man, watching those, I would go watch those guys at spring practice. And, you know, I think, I don't know if I've told those guys this or not, but, man, when I watch those guys coach and the physicality they play with, but then to watch them hug their players and love their players and the way they treat people, it changed my life. Because I thought she had to be a different way to get kids to play hard. And that is certainly not – when you when you have a program based on love and respect, kids will play much harder for you. Um, and they will be as physical. Our kids are very physical on Saturdays. 
Um, but man, we, we, we believe we're, we're, we are representing, um, honoring God in the way we compete every day. And that was learned from, from Harding. It is truly, I did not go to Harding university. Um, I have no connections to Harding university other than they're my friends now. And one of my best friends played there, but that watching them coach changed my life. It's a testament to their program. And I've never been scared to share that. Um, that's kind of who we model ourselves after. Now we've kind of, you know, after that, we've kind of taken our own path and become ourselves. But man, watching that program and listening to those guys coach is like, that's special and that's life changing. So that's kind of why I went to Bethel initially and I didn't have to move, right? There's that um, to be in coaching college. So all those things were happening. But then what makes it the right fit is the kids we have. Um, you know, being able to recruit our own families and recruit kids has been unbelievable. And it's hard to describe, but at the small college level, it's hard to find communities that 100% support those schools on a game day. But man, our families, what makes it the right fit is every Saturday. Now COVID has been crazy, but man, it's been just amazing to watch our families become close friends. Our stands are absolutely packed. I really think, I think we have as good an environment at a small college level as anybody in the country. And people won't believe that when they hear me say it like little Bethel college, they've never heard of. But I would tell you on a Saturday, it is as big time a feel as you're going to, as you're going to see at the small college level. And that's because of our families. And, um, you know, that's why I love it getting to recruit the kids. And like you talk about, you know, I'm going and doing home business with these kids. You get to know their family through the recruiting process and then they, they choose you and the level of, um, I guess, let me, we don't take that for granted. I mean, these kids that are playing for us picked us. They could have picked a lot of places. And so I think the, um, the level of respect you have for that commitment they make to you. And then the, I guess the sense that, I mean, it's a very humbling thing, I guess, in a way for, to know that we have this roster, the biggest roster in Bethel history um, of about 100, 114 kids that their families all chose us and they picked us over all their other options. And so then to think, we, we, we pray about that every day and make sure that are we giving that back to them as far as their experience? Um, and I think that's been really cool, which has made it the right fit for me because honestly, that's what my days are about. Like investing back into these kids, providing a great experience, both in wins and losses, right? They want to be a part of a winner and we do have to focus on that, but then also really truly trying to teach these kids to be Christian warrior kids. Um, and what does it mean to, to play biblical football. And like what I talked about, if you're going to put Jesus' name on something, man, that's a pretty gutsy move. And you better be excellent in what you do. And we, we not just in winning and losing, in my opinion, but also in, you know, how you treat the guys and, you know, what kind of role model you're being. And so, you know, I pray with our team every day before practice. And I tell everybody this, I do that for me. I ain't doing that. I mean, we pray for the kids, but I do that for me. And it's a, it's pretty hard to be to pray, you know, we, we do our funds for 10 minutes and then we do team prayer. And then it's like when, when, when I pray for the team personally every day, it's really hard to then go back and, you know, lead in a way that doesn't reflect those values, I guess. And, you know, certainly I'm not perfect. And if you rely only on me, I'll disappoint you. But that's kind of what's made the right fit for me. And then now, now that we've been in the middle of it, you know, you hear people talk about like you kind of like you kind of mentioned and almost insinuated in your question about how do you sell the community? How do you sell the parents? Look, we there ain't nothing to sell at Bethel. I mean, it is a flex bone school. I mean, it is from the president to our athletic director down to the 
athletic trainer. This is who we are. And I mean, they want to go get it on on Saturdays. I mean, it's just, it is not like anything I've ever seen as far as the level of support that they have for this really small part of our team, right? We have offense, we have defense, we have recruiting, we have all these things. You know, the flex is a pretty small part of our program. Now, it's what we do on offense, obviously, but they really want to be our school. And when I say our school, I mean our school wants this to be a, an, a unique part of our college that, that, that is something when you hear the word flex bone, you think Bethel College. And this is coming from the president level down. And I think um, I'm pretty spoiled in that regard. I, I hope it's because we've done a good job and we've been successful and, you know, people have taken notice, but, you know, it's, it, it's cool, you know? And so now, you know, people, uh, I spoke at a clinic, we had a, we used to, our offices are in an old dorm coach. So literally an old dorm, my office is an old dorm room. Okay. Um, the locker room used to be in the basement of that dorm. Well, two years ago it flooded. Okay. And so we had to move all the lockers. This is the coaches in the summer, by the way, me and our assistant coaches move all the wooden lockers that were all warped from the standing water out into a storage shed. And our locker room right now is a metal building. Okay. Which was a storage shed. Now it's got air, but that's where we locker and our kids and we're ranked in the country. I would be willing to bet we're the only top 20 team in the country that doesn't have a locker room. We have a metal building. Now our lockers are in there, um, but that's where we're at. And that's the kind of type of kid we have. We take every recruit in there and we say, look, man, if you don't want a locker in here, don't come to school here. As opposed to a lot of these schools are, you know, they're trying to almost blind kids with all these Jersey combinations and all that stuff. Bro, that ain't us, man. We walk kids out to a metal building and like, this is our locker room if you don't want to play here or if you don't want this to be your locker room, this ain't the school for you. And, and we are recruiting an even better level of talent every year. Okay. And the reason why I tell you that what makes it the right fit because of our success, they're going to build a $1.7 million locker room behind our visitor bleachers. It's going to have a hall of fame conference room. Bethel is investing in football like no other school in our conference. So there's going to come a day where, you know, we're, in the next fall, in the fall of 2021, so whatever, next August, we're going to have the nicest facility in our conference. We already have the nicest turf. We have Hellas Turf, all that stuff. We have a beautiful stadium. But we're about to have a, this big $1.7 million locker room, which is unbelievable. Um, so I'm going to kind of miss our metal building. But the point of what I'm trying to tell you is w when you do a good job, we, we've never asked for a new locker room. I just asked, where do we need to take these kids so we can get our clothes on? And uh, that's turned into – people now investing back into the college and donating money back to build this beautiful locker room. And we never asked for it. And so it's another lesson to what you and I just talked about. Do a really good job. I've never asked for anything. I've never asked for a job. I've never begged for anything. I've never asked for a locker room. They're doing that because of our success, which I think is because how we practice every day and how we prepare and all that stuff. So that's a long story short to tell you, man, I'm, I'm very thankful for Bethel. Um, we pray every day and thank, you know, thank God that, that we're all together at Bethel and we're just trying to do a really good job every day. You know, parents in recruiting, you'll understand this because you played in college. Honestly, the most common question I get is, well, are you going to be the coach here? Are you going to be the coach here? And it's like, look, um, I grew up in trailer parks all across the, you know, the East Texas. I have no desire to move. I've never once thought about another job. 
we are truly a group of dudes, like friends, all college teammates that are trying to build something really special at Bethel. And we've only been at it for three years. Um, that's kind of my focus. I've never, so every parent, I'm like, I appreciate you asking me that. I think it's a compliment. You know what I mean? I, I think I take it as a compliment, like, um, but you know, no one's knocking down my door to go be the head coach at Alabama. So we just, uh, man, we're trying to be the be- the most, the best flex bone school in the country. That's our goal. And uh, we're working on it every day. Um, and I, like I said, there's a lot of good ones out there that we're trying to get better than, but I think we're, you know, we're on track for what we're doing and uh, man, we love it. And that, that's kind of what's made Bethel special. The, the level of um, investment they have in, in what we do has been, you know, really cool. And, and I'll tell you, anyone out there that's listening to this, if you're within and you know, come out to practice, um, you know, you can tell me I'm lying or maybe you, can, maybe you can see and help us out a little bit because I've learned from everyone that's ever visited us, I've learned something from, and I'd love to have anybody out there, you know, come and check things out. And, um, you know, we are playing, we got, we got a game again this Saturday, we're playing this fall and it looks like we're going to be playing in the spring um, because any postponed game go to spring. So I think our first scheduled game is March 6th. So we're going to play up until November 21st and we're going to play again, March 6th and then, you know, 13th, 20th, and then the playoffs are in April. So hopefully we're in contention for that right now. It looks like we're, we're going to give ourselves a shot to be in the playoffs. Coach, that's awesome. I really appreciate you coming on tonight. Yeah, no, man, a lot of fun. I mean, anything I can do to give back, man, I, like I said, I've only, all I've ever done is learn from people way smarter than me and I just try to live up to it every day. So there you go. <laughs> well, hopefully uh, maybe when, you know, between your off season, because I know you just said you're going to have part of your season now and then part in the spring. Hopefully I can get you back on and maybe we can talk more X's and O's or we can talk more program building, um, whichever one you're more interested in or both, you know, yeah. we could do a couple. Um, but yeah, this was, this was an amazing podcast coach. I really appreciate you coming in. Yeah, no problem. And I appreciate it anytime, man. I'd love to do it. So we'll, uh, man, let's, let's talk real soon. All right. All right. Sounds good. This Thanks, has coach. been, this has been Coach Sheffer, and we are signing out. All Armchair Coaching Podcast episodes have been edited by Coach James Heath. Follow Coach James Heath on Twitter at jrockfordheath. And if you are interested in starting your own podcast, contact Coach Heath, and he will help you get set up with everything that you need for podcasting. Thank you, Coach Heath. I couldn't do it without you, brother.